Sarah here. Today, Sarah and I will talk about something we both struggle with, and that's self-doubt. Maybe you can relate. Maybe for you it's a daily struggle, a weekly struggle, a monthly struggle, but no matter how you encounter self-doubt, we hope today's episode helps you. For me, I'm an Enneagram 6, turns out that it's the most popular type, and we struggle to have faith in ourselves and the ability uh, to just kind of trust that things will go right. We tend to anticipate worst case scenarios. So in this episode, Sari and I share another six, which is six tips for um, things that have helped us when we struggle with self-doubt. So if you would like a printable, um, an at-a-glance sheet that you can look at for those tips that we're going to discuss today, um, make sure to sign up for our occasional email updates at slphappyhour.com newsletter, where you'll get an easy-to-reference sheet with these tips. And if you've already signed up for the newsletter, you'll get the freebie delivered to your inbox soon. And if you like this podcast episode, you are going to love my new course. If you're listening to this episode as it airs, my autumn self-care course just launched. And if you're listening later on, I hope to continue to add seasonal guides as the seasons change. The autumn course is focused on slowing down, playing more, and letting go. This course is a step-by-step -step guide for making this happen with goal sheets along the way to help keep you accountable. Visit our website for details, slphappyhour.com forward slash autumn. And now let's get started with the show for our discussion on this topic. Welcome to SLP Happy Hour. We are a podcast that discusses the reality of being a working SLP with a dash of happy hour thrown in. Our goal is to help you find more happiness in your life and career. And today's topic is self-doubt and how to move forward from it. We'll both share our own personal, professional experiences with self-doubt and what we're trying when we encounter self-doubt in our lives. I'm Sarah and I definitely encounter self-doubt even though I've been at this SLP thing for a long time. And I'm Sari. And I have only been at this for two years, uh, but I definitely struggle with self-doubt. It is really real for us both. And before we begin, if you do like the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review. And we mention this every time because it's so important. When you write a review, it helps like-minded SLPs find the podcast. And then on Apple Podcasts, they promote and share and recommend shows with more downloads and reviews. So we would love to grow as a podcast, and we need your help doing that. So now, on to the show. And we're going to start with our segment called What's Up and What's Down. And these are things that are adding to our happiness or detracting from our happiness at this moment. And I'm going to start with the What's Down, which is... Poison oak. <laughs> that is a Western. Um, poison oak, for those of you who are not familiar with it, uh, is a horrible little weed or bush thing that's, we learned the three leaves, three on the tree? Is that the phrase? Leaves of three, leaves let of it three. be. Mm -hmm. Leaves of three, let it be is the phrase. I knew there if was a phrase. If it's shiny, it'll hurt your hiney. Oh, I don't know if I heard that one. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. But it gives you a rash. And I get it the worst in my family just from very like 
touches. I suspect sometimes that I get it from just pores being in the air. And we went on a hike last weekend and I got a little bit on, on my side even though I was covered up and still, it still got on me somehow and I still have a little patch and it's going to take forever to go away. And is this the first time you, it sounds like it's not the first nope, time. Nope, I get it pretty regular. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One of the hazards of going out into the wilderness for me, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I can um, bring us up a little bit. Um, so staying closer to home, this is a, a what's up something that's adding to my happiness. Very, very indoors, which is deep house cleaning. <laughs> I feel like with the changing of the seasons, it just feels so good to purge, get rid of things, mm. organize, wipe things down. But like the top of my refrigerator... Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Forgetting about that area until you don't. <laughs> I, I, I think I've forgotten about it for years. So uh, if you're listening and you're interested in deep cleaning, I'm using the fly lady, like fly, like buzz, F-L-Y lady. Uh, she has a checklist. Have you heard of her? Mm-mm. Okay. Anyway, it's free. Um, you go through really like room by room by room and there's a list of what to do. And I love a good checklist, and uh, it's it's. I love how things look. I'm definitely like you know messy house, messy mind person. Um, so like it's fun. <laughs> so next up is our actual topic of the day today. Do you want to share what it is, Sarah? Yes, it's when SLPs struggle with self doubt. I think it's a really common struggle um, because. Our scope of practice is so big because we're often working in isolation and we're not, you know, working on teams of SLPs that we see every day and talk to every day. Um, So do I struggle with self-doubt? Yes. So again, I've been doing this for 12 years. Uh, A big time when I remember struggling with uh, self-doubt the most was probably when I started my private practice. Now that's like three and a half years ago or so um, because everything was new. So not just the population of clients I was working with, I was going from mainly working with older, you know, students and older kids to toddlers. So that was a big learning curve for me. But even more than that, things like how do you market? How do you insurance bill? How do you, I don't know, like find a (laughs) lease. Uh, Every single thing I did was so hard and just felt like so much effort because previous to starting my private practice, I had worked in the schools for a long time and, you know, it's definitely challenging, but I had my groove and Mm. I kind of knew what was coming up. So switching to private practice where every single thing was so new, it just felt really hard. It felt like a struggle. And, um, that's just one of many examples of just a time where I felt a lot of self doubt. Like, why is this so difficult for me? Um, oh, I didn't do great in that session and things like that. And I think that I'm not alone. I think a lot of SLPs go through phases of self-doubt. Absolutely. So as many of you know, when I started working as an SLP during my CF year, I took a position where I was predominantly serving students with complex communication needs. And actually, I had initially turned this position down because I didn't feel like I had adequate experience to serve these students the way that they deserved. And um, so when I did take this job, imagine I already have this pre-existing self-doubt and worry that I don't have this experience and not good enough in, in the realm of AAC. And then in an early IAP meeting, we're sitting at the table 
and the parents are talking about their communication concerns and another individual at the table turns to me and asks me on the spot to make a recommendation as an AAC expert for a speech generating app for the family's iPad. So this was very on the spot and and uh, of course my response was that I didn't know the child very well enough to make that answer at that time that I would need to to some more time and, and get to know their child more before I could make any sort of recommendation. But I left that meeting just feeling very deflated and very, like all of those self-doubt feelings had just come to fruition and I did not feel like a good SLP on that day. But that answer was just so perfect because I think um, as a lot of new SLPs and I remember being in that space where someone would ask a pointed question like you know which specific app are you going to use right now for this child right and it's like okay I need more time I need more data and so it really takes some guts to be in that situation and to say I don't know I don't have the information that I need to make that call yet uh, and I need to get to know this child and so if you're listening and you're in a similar situation, I mean, honestly, Sari, the answer you gave was the best answer possible because it's, um, you know, I care about this child. I'm just getting to know them. This is a huge decision. There's lots of factors involved and I'm going to have to get to know them and do some research mm-hmm. so that we can find the best answer for that. But I don't have that today. And I think that early on in my career, I would not have had the guts to say that. I probably would have like made something up on the spot, like, oh, we're going to try this first. Um, (laughs) Because I would have felt so pressured to have an answer. So, um, you know, a piece of that is to just accept ourselves and that um, we, to share when we need more time, right? That's asserting a boundary, but it's also an education piece. Like, you know, this is a huge decision and there's, um, you know, this big evaluation process that we really need to get started so that we can best serve this child. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. But it was hard because there were other situations that, that came up that I just did feel that inexperience. And I think in your CF year, you are, you know, you've already got imposter syndrome kind of mingled with a lot of the self-doubt going on. And when you jump into those higher needs populations right from the get-go, you can't help. You can't help but experience some Mm self-doubt. So when things like that happen, um, or when like in my situation, you're changing jobs or changing settings, um, we don't have all the answers for sure. Self-doubt is something that I would take a guess that what all SLPs, nearly all SLPs, most SLPs feel it's very, very common. And a lot of, um, you know, my relationships, even with my own like SLP friends are like, they're texting me or sending a video message because they want some encouragement because they're feeling self-doubt. So if you feel it, it's totally normal. Um, so here's a few things that, um, I try to focus on during those times. Um, One is to focus on giving. So when self-doubt happens, we're really focused on ourselves. And when I say focus on giving, that doesn't mean to give to the detriment of yourself, but instead of like 
you know, I don't know the answers, I don't know what to do, and putting a lot of pressure on yourself, looking outward, whether that's at work or at home or in your volunteer life or your church life, to think about, okay, what are some simple things that I can do to just get my mind off this focus of self-criticism and on to um, doing something else that's positive? Mm. Um, another thing I try is a piece of advice that I got early on in my career, which is when you feel overwhelmed, choose one client that you want to focus on or one student or one disorder area and um, build your skills there and that that will really build your confidence the quickest. You, you've shared that tip with me before and I, I love that. That's been a big comfort um, and something I've tried to do. That's, that's been a really helpful tip. Because you kind of feel like you have to know everything. Yes, yeah. And then the... Other tip I have is um, what I'm just going to refer to as SLP neutrality. So um, with, for example, body image, right? You don't want to have a horrible body image, um, but you also don't have to say like, oh, I love my body and every single piece, right? Um, what What's kind of coming out in the self-esteem and self-perception world is that like, body neutrality is uh, actually the most helpful. And that's when we're just like, our body is our body. You know, we are who we are. And that's very difficult as women um, because we're socialized to really identify with our body. However, how this all connects is, you know, being SLPs and being helping professionals, we sometimes really um, connect with and identify with our profession. Um, and just like our body is just one part of who we are as whole people, if we zoom out, being an SLP is just one tiny piece of who we are, um, of the big picture. And, you know, we don't really have to think like, am I a good SLP? Am I a bad SLP? Um, am I good at this area? Or did I mess up that meeting? And to just, uh, you know, I'm kind of toying with this idea. I'm not personally there yet, but of SLP neutrality where we just think, I was an SLP today. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> some things went well, some things didn't. Um, but I'm not going to over-identify with it, but I'm also not going to beat myself up mm. for the things that didn't go well. I love that. So I, a couple of tips that have worked for me. My first one goes along, I think, with your uh, shifting your perspective advice uh, and one strategy that strategy that I use to do that is self-talk, which is a strategy we teach our kids to do. And uh, we talk about mantras, but uh, this is specifically coming up with I can statements. So instead of focusing on I don't know or I can't or f creating these I doubt myself statements, you're changing it to I can statements. I can solve this problem. I can get more information. I can research the answer, I can get back to the team, I can ask for help. Those are all productive and more positive shifting your perspective statements that you can use to self-talk and make yourself feel calmer and feel less doubtful about your abilities. How can you remember? And so those are just kind of things you say in your mind to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. how, how do you remember to use them? You know, I usually do a project with my kids where we talk about I can statements early on in the year and then we actually mm -hmm. post them up on the wall. And that is my visual reminder for me as well to use I can statements. But that's that's what I've been using so far. I haven't actually done one just for myself. That it's is kind of really something cool. I do automatically. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then the last tip is to find a friend that you know will help you feel validated and encouraged. For me, a lot of the time, that's Sarah. And I will call her and I'll talk things out. And she is always there to help me feel like I'm doing a good job and everything's going to be okay. So find that person for you. Give them a call. They will help you feel that connection and that support. Right. And sometimes, you know, reaching out to a friend, you just need to talk about it for a little bit and Mm -hmm. then you're done. Sometimes you can get really stuck and become... A drain, not you personally, but I can. Oh, no, uh, I can. Okay, I know what I can do. Uh, I can get stuck and kind of become a drain on the other person. So just uh, watching that and being mm. like, is this, you know, is this something that's going to help me or have I kind of already hashed this out? Because mm. for me, especially if it's like a high stakes meeting, for example, or, you know, a meeting with my supervisor, I might. What am I trying to say? You know, get stuck on the issue when I should probably stop talking about it and move on and think about something else. So, um, yeah. So monitor that. Yes. Thank you. If you've got a caseload that's big enough that you tend to forget who has which goal, you aren't alone. We are right there with you. Do you ever wish you could schedule your students in and manage their goals at the same time? Swivel is a web-based app you can access from any device that will help you schedule your students in, and Swivel will rotate through all your students' goals to tell you each day what each student in every group needs to work on. No more forgotten goals, no more scrambling to collect data because you only worked on a goal twice. Goal management is too important to be stressful, so let Swivel help you conquer the goal management monster. For more information, visit swivelscheduler.com. If you're a private practice owner like me, you know how important it is to have practice management software that helps you schedule, bill, and saves you time. Fusion Web Clinic is an all-in-one practice management software designed specifically for pediatric speech therapists, physical therapists, and occupational therapists who need to save time and streamline their practice. With unlimited customer support, free onboarding, and an ever-growing set of features, thousands of therapists across the country use Fusion every day. We've got a special URL for a free demo and a $50 credit at fusionwebclinic.com slash slphappyhour. So I hope that was helpful as we talked about self-doubt. Um, do you think we solved the world's self-doubt problems? <laughs> no, but I think uh, some of our tips, I hope, will be helpful to others. Yeah, I think that, you know, anytime we share uh, what works for us, um, it's coming from a really good place. And the danger is 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 making it sound like we know what the answer is and there is no answer for right. self-doubt. Right. Also know that a lot of the t- conversations we have and the topics we discuss are things that we are currently struggling with. Mm-hmm. So we are figuring it out along with you. Mm-hmm. And none of these topics we talk about, whether it's burnout or compassion, fatigue, or self-doubt, none of them have easy answers. So if you're, you know, reading an article on the internet or listening to a podcast and it's like, you know, this is the easy answer for these things. These are all really complex issues that Mm -hmm. don't have an answer, but you know, what Sarah and I really believe in, you know, the power behind this podcast is that 
we want to share like there are small things you can do to take the next step up and out. Absolutely. There's no easy for uh, self-doubt. There's no like do this and you'll never feel self-doubt again because that's not what it's like to be human. What Mm. it's like to be human is we are in a cycle where we continually, you know, battle with issues, right? (laughs) Whether it's self-doubt or imposter syndrome or Mm -hmm. compassion fatigue and we revisit 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 so that allows us to really hone our um i guess self-help skills um and self-efficacy skills because we keep dealing with these things there will never be a time where every slp feels fully confident Mm -hmm. and part of our power as really good slps is our ability to reflect and say hey that meeting didn't go you know, like I wanted it to, or that session didn't go as well as I want to. Mm-hmm. What's our step? What's the next right step up and out? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the only, you know, suggestions we have for you is like, what's the next step up and out? Um, and to just know that it's, it's normal to feel these feelings and it's something that you will visit and revisit throughout your career, um, as you're helping your clients and students and families. Absolutely. So next up, we have a question from a listener, which is specifically about early on in your career, or if you've just started a new setting, something that can take a lot of time and a lot of energy uh, every night or early in the morning is planning out the lessons for the day. There's a huge disconnect between, for example, graduate school, where I don't know about you, but I had to have these super detailed lesson plans. Okay, they still do that. (laughs) And then when you get your real job and you're like, I have what, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 groups or clients today. Um, What do lesson plans look like? And that can be a huge learning curve. So our question today is from an early career professional who asks, how can you streamline and make lesson planning easier? So I'm going to answer this because this is something that I've kind of been troubleshooting as an early SLP. And last year, I kind of felt like I hit my stride more with it. But um, I do also have to say that I don't think there is one right answer for everyone. Because I know some SLPs who plan out their entire year ahead of time. And some can do months, some weeks. And I also know some who have the capacity to just wing it and still do a marvelous job. And winging it is okay. Winging it is okay. There's a lot of pressure around like winging it is bad. Um, But it's really okay, especially if you've, you know, you know your students or you know your clients, you've been seeing them for a while, um, to trust in your innate ability to wing it. But Mm -hmm. before then, there's some planning you've got to (laughs) do. So last year, uh, I did some lesson plans weekly. And that was the best system for me. And here are a few tips that helped me last year that will hopefully make things faster for you too. And so here we go. So the first uh, recommendation is to create a formatted system that will give you ease. I I was given a lot of templates. I'm sure you've seen a lot of templates, but it, I actually designed my own that was customized for me, for my own convenience. And I would recommend finding the one that works best for you and does the same for you. And uh, I just wanted to add that it's not the system that will keep you successful. It's um, 
per se. Like, I know that there's a lot mm. of like, find the right thing on Pinterest or, yes. you know, find the right, like, it's not Sari's system per se. It's that she's figured out what she needs, whether it's like the student needs and the material. Um, and she's going to write that down. So that's what's successful for her. Mm -hmm. Um, my lesson plan is the name of the people in the group and maybe three or four words because I've been doing it for 12 years. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so think about what do I need to write down? Is it, uh, the materials I need? Is it the objectives? Um, and make that for yourself. So it's just a matter of having the right information in the right place. Mm. And so my second tip is to keep it simple. And I don't write out the specific materials needed. And I don't take a ton of extra notes um, or give extra information. Unless maybe someone was going to sub for me, then I would maybe elaborate a little bit more. Um, but I know what token board games are. And if that's all I want to write for my lesson plan, then that's all that I need to write to remind myself of what I wanted to work on that day. Um, so keep it simple. So the third one is to build it into your routine. This is what works for me. And it made it easiest for me to lesson plan within my data collection. So again, I've got it all on that one sheet. I take my data and then within my notes, I might write next time, introduce medial K. And at the end of the day, within my routine, I will change the lesson plan and print them off at the end of the week so it's ready to go for the next week. And the last tip is to be consistent and maintain that routine to keep the efficiency going. And if you, where I have gotten into trouble in the past is if I don't write down what I wanted to work on the next time, or if I don't follow through with my system, at the end of the week, I'm trying to remember what I did on Monday and what I wanted to do the next Monday with that group. And I may struggle to recall and I'll, I'll, it may take me more time to try and think of, well, what could we work on? Well, maybe we should work on this and maybe we'll do this. That takes a lot more time than just looking at my notes and saying, oh, I wanted to do this next time and just writing it in. So those are my lesson planning tips. Do you have anything to add on or share, Sarah? I think um, the piece where you write what you're going to do next time is really powerful. It will save you a lot of time. Um, so for my clinic, for example, in my soap notes, I might write next time target, you know, SN blends, mm. possibly these words or, um, things like that. Uh, for me, I might just write like, uh, let's say my client was named Beyonce, which is not actually one of my clients. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, you know, who questions book, right? I would just write that because I, I know what books I use for mm -hmm. you. Um, and then I would write. And then once I have the data from the session afterwards, like let's say it was two out of five accuracy, I would write like, you know, next time same or who questions in books next time as well. Um, so, yeah, I think and I think what's really powerful about what you're saying, Sari, is that it's not just um, having this like pie in the sky goal. It's to have a system. So at the however you want to do it, if you want to do it weekly or at the end of the day, I don't plan more than one day in advance so mine is like at the end of the day I'll sort of write it all down um but if you don't have a system in place you won't lesson plan and if you don't lesson plan even again even if it's only just like a couple words on a piece of paper um you'll find a lot of overwhelm and wasted time mm -hmm. so speaking of lessons um and lesson planning uh 
every episode or so, we try to share a lazy lesson or an efficient lesson, a lesson that we use where you don't need to buy lots of new expensive materials, you don't need to spend hours cutting and prepping and laminating. I hate laminating. I don't know how you feel about laminating. <laughs> it's not my favorite. I, I try to not do it. Uh, so today I'm going to share just a quick tip for visuals for cluster reduction. Mm. So let's say that we are working on S-blends. I have quite a few um, kids I'm working with right now working on S-blends. So I might use a string and we touch the left side of the string and then the right side of the string, for example, for the word tool. Um, I might draw a quick rainbow and touch each side of the rainbow, which might have like a cloud one side of the rainbow and then a cloud on the other side and do tool. Um, I've used pom-poms before or something that uh, a couple of my kids really love doing is touching their ear for the first sound and their mouth for the mm -hmm. second sound. I feel like I got that from a cycles training or a praxia training. So for stool, they'd touch their ear for s and then their mouth for tool. So s tool. Um, so those are just some things to try if you're looking for another, you know, another tool in your phonology or articulation toolkit. There's some things that worked for me. Um, take what you want, leave the rest and see what works for the kids that you're working with. Mm, I love it. So there you have it. That's what we have for today. I hope our discussion of examples of when you feel self-doubt, what we've tried, what you can try, help you, and that our lazy lesson for a cluster reduction gave you a lesson idea you can try today or tomorrow or as soon as you see your students, and that you can relate to our feelings on self-doubt. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, and please send a rating and review our way. We read every single one, they make our day and keep us going, and they help like-minded SLPs to find this podcast. We also love seeing you shout out to us on social media, so if you love this episode, share it online and tag us. If you like hearing topics like these on the podcast, you're going to love our newsletter, which is where we send out occasional notes from us to you. You can sign up for that at slphappyhour.com or at slphappyhour.com slash newsletter, and we'll link it up in the show notes. If you want to connect with us, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com, or find us on social media as SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed the show and that this was a little slice of an SLP Happy Hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Good start. <laughs> okay. Okay.